Aunt Helen, you promised you'd find us a school. Oh, God help me. Slow down. Stop. That was fast. Kids. Lisa, stop dragging your sweater. I mean, Lutheranism has been in our family for as long as Lutheran people have been around. Being a Lutheran is the greatest. I mean, right, kids? Hippo wants to be a Lutheran, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hippo yeah. is a Lutheran. <laughs> I knew that God told us to move here so that we could attend your fine school. A good, solid education taught our Lutheran way is the best way. I mean, isn't that right, Father? Pastor. Father Pastor. Pastor Parker. Right. Thank you for that fine testimonial. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm just going to need the kids' transcripts and blood tests, and they're in. Blood tests? Make sure they're really Lutheran. Be surprised how many non-Lutherans try to sneak in. Oh, I'm sure. Um, problem. They're all hemophiliacs. All three of them can't take blood. Shh. They're sensitive. It's a joke. Why would I joke about hemophilia? There's no blood test. That's the joke. Oh. You don't have to be Lutheran to go here. It's Queens. Like 50 Lutheran kids in the whole neighborhood. <clears throat> Should we take a look around? Just want to make sure, by show of hands, did anybody miss their blood test? on the way in. We have ushers that will be coming down the aisle to prick you. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're starting a brand new series today. It is called Can You Relate? Uh, and we are not relating on the fact that everybody in this room is Lutheran. Uh, in fact, that's, that's just not the case. You heard this from not necessarily Father, but Pastor Parker. You'd be surprised how many non-Lutherans try to sneak into this place. Uh, look around this room. You'd be surprised how many non-Lutherans are in this room right now. Unashamedly, this is Lutheran Church of Hope. Unashamedly, I am a Lutheran pastor. One thing that you may not know is that uh, I grew up in a Lutheran church. I went to a Lutheran college. I worked at a Lutheran camp. I interned at a Lutheran church. Uh, if we had cats, they all would have been Lutheran. There's no doubt about it, right? Interestingly, I just so happened to end up going to a Baptist seminary, and I always joke with people, I didn't realize I was Lutheran until I went and hung out with the Baptists for a while, and I realized, I'm not one of you. Yeah. <laughs> Altar call? <laughs> what is that? We just have weekly communion. I don't know, in some churches anyway. No, uh, but, but something that I found was is that the Jesus who unites us is bigger than anything that can divide us. And Jesus does indeed cross over denominational walls and boundaries that sometimes we set up. Truly, look around this room. You will see many non-Lutherans. And again, we're not trying to hide the fact that we're Lutheran here. We, we really are. If you take the new, member, the new member class at Hope, you would know that uh, the number one denomination for people who show up at Hope on any given Sunday is someone who just simply didn't have a recent church background. By far, the most, uh, the, the most common person who shows up to Hope at any one of our campuses on any given Sunday is someone who hasn't been active in a church in the last two to five years. Those are the people who show up to our new member class. It, it's really interesting. Now, you might think, okay, well, then Lutherans are the ones after that, right? No, you're wrong. The next highest population of people uh, with a church background who show up at Hope on any given Sunday, Catholics. And some of you are like, mm-hmm, yes, all right, okay, all right, you know. 
And I know that many of you are because I cannot tell you how many times in the last five years someone's come up to me and said, hi, Father. <laughs> Abby and I don't have kids, so that really stands out. Nobody calls me Father. At least nobody's supposed to. I can't tell you how many times people are shocked when they find out I'm married. Are you allowed to do that, Father? <laughs> yes, I am. You wouldn't believe it. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Marty Luther. I'm so glad. Some of you get that joke. Some of you don't. That's, that's, that's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, seriously, look around this room. It's a lot of non-Lutherans. And the point of this church is not to make you Lutheran. The point of this church is not even to make you want to be Lutheran. The point of this church is to point you to Jesus. Because I have a question. How many of us are missing the point? Are we missing the point? In my, in my family, I am famous for telling overly long stories. Some of you right now are like, we know. <laughs> Thank you. I feel so loved. And my family will oftentimes remind me, Danny, get to the point. And sometimes we get caught up in all these crazy details, right? And, and we miss the point. We miss the point of why we come here. We miss the point of why we show up. We miss the point of why we worship. We miss the point of why we gather. Hebrews chapter 10, it, it tells us really simply, why do we do this? It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Now, I realize I'm pulling that verse out of context, and the especially now is not necessarily the especially now, but I do think that there is an especially now that should be identified today. Especially now in a world where we are so divided, in a world where we find so many different reasons to disagree, to hate, we find so many different reasons to dislike the person in front of us. We find so many different reasons to isolate. Especially now, it's important for us to gather together and encourage one another. Not just for the sake of encouragement, not just for the sake of patting on the back, but because we are filled with a hope. Because we're filled with a love. Because we've been given a grace that we cannot help but share. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Why are we here today? Why are we here today? In its simplest form, you are here today to receive the encouragement that comes with God's love. And you cannot keep that to yourself. Don't miss the point. I'll be honest, there's so many different things in the church that we have missed the point on. One of the things that we've missed the point on is something that we're highlighting today. If you didn't notice, we've got our confirmation students sitting up front here today. Let's give God praise for them. Aren't they awesome? Yeah! If, if, you, if you didn't grow up in a Lutheran church, if you didn't grow up in church, or maybe if you didn't grow up in a church that had a confirmation program, you're like, confirmation? What, what is that? I mean, is it kind of like when I, you know, confirm my identity when I'm stopping by the pharmacy and they ask me for my birthday and my social security number and my secret password questions, and I can't ever remember the answers to those? What street did I grow up on? Why did I ask that question for my security answer? I don't know. No, it, confirmation, it's something deeper than that. But the truth is that over the years, the church has missed the point on confirmation, too. Confirmation is this deep, long, rich tradition in the church, but there was a time where we, we got off course with it. Confirmation for a while, traditionally speaking, especially in the Lutheran church, confirmation was the requirement for someone to receive Holy Communion. When somebody got to an age of accountability, they would say, you could now take the classes to learn more about Jesus, and then you'd be old enough to recognize God's power, and then you could receive Holy Communion, and also, you could be a church member, get all the perks of that, and believe me, we know there's a lot. <laughs> you ever been to a church meeting? <laughs> I'm so glad that we go to a church where church meetings are, like, really uneventful. People yawn at our church meetings. Isn't that great? Isn't it awesome they last like 15 minutes when we vote on something? We're like, yeah, I guess this is a formality. Great, you know. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. But, but, 
you know, is that really the point of confirmation? That, that, that's not the point of confirmation. These students are not here today just to become church members. These students here aren't here just today so that someday they could, they could receive Holy Communion. And in fact, that's just not biblical. Somewhere in the 1970s in the Lutheran Church and other um, Protestant mainline churches across the country, especially here in the United States, I want to highlight it's, it's here in the United States, they, they realized that some of our practices on confirmation weren't biblical. Specifically the fact that we were made, making students wait until they were in 8th grade to be church members, waiting until they were in 8th grade to receive Holy Communion. And so there was a shift. No longer was confirmation something that you had to do to receive God's grace, to have a place in the church, to have a seat here, but instead, confirmation instead goes a lot more in line with what we read in 2 Peter today. Confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Now, these students have truly been sitting in, I guess you could say, like formal training over the last three years, and that is so cool. And I will tell you this, they have received like the greatest formal training, especially over this last year when we brought on staff Pete Smith and Carrie Birchka, who've been teaching them and devoting to them and investing in them weekly. And I just think that it is so important that you know how much those two love your kids and how much those two pour into your kids, how much those two pray for your kids, how much those two talk about your kids, how much those two think about how they can get your kids to have a closer relationship with Jesus, the most important thing that they can have in this world. And I just think, not for the sake of them, but for the sake of God's glory, can we give God praise for them? Isn't that really awesome that they do that? It's so great. Their job is not to make your kids church members. Their job is not to make your kids fit to walk forward and receive Holy Communion. Their job, their job is to help them experience God's love and to confirm the invitation that God has put out before them. Confirmation is not something to go through that you can earn something new. Confirmation is to receive something. And this opens the doors on confirmation. Today, these students are formally confirming. They're affirming the faith that's been given to them. The invitation that has been put into their lives that says, you are a family member of God. But it blows open the doors because while they're doing it formally today, confirmation is for every single one of us. You may have come here today thinking that this was just about these nine students. And if it was just for them, I'd be here. I'd show up. They're awesome. I got to listen to their faith statements the other night. It blew me away. Their faith is so deep, it is so rich, it is so powerful, it is so inspiring. But confirmation is for all of us. It doesn't say there, when you are in eighth grade, confirm God's invitation to you. It says, don't put it off, do it now. Whether you're young, whether you are old, whether you are rich, whether you are poor, no matter who you are, confirm God's free invitation to you. So often we get it wrong with confirmation. We say, eighth grade, you did it. You arrived. Now you've passed that blood test, so you are a lifelong Lutheran and you're not going anywhere. <laughs> but that's not the point. It is so much deeper than that, isn't it? It is so much deeper than that. Now, there's a reason why we don't have our students today wearing white gowns, and it's not just because we're cheap, although maybe we are. I don't know. <laughs> They're not wearing white gowns because we're not going to dress them up like graduates. They're not graduating from Christianity today, and neither of you. None of us graduate from Christianity. This is a really important day in their lives. Do not miss this day. Soak it in. Feel God's love. Experience God's presence with you today. Soak it in. This is a very, very important day. I wear a suit jacket three times a year, and this is one of them. 
This is a very important, a sport coat. I don't know. I think, where'd we get this? Sears? <laughs> it's a really important day. But it's not the final day. It's a relational day. It's a day where they say, I belong in this family. It's a day where we say to them, you've always been a part of this family. We're going to continue to walk in this life together. We continue to walk forward from this day. I think that it is so sad. It's so sad that so often after confirmation, we see people go away. And why do we do that? Because we treat confirmation as if it's this graduation day from Christianity. We put them in their gowns. We give them their flowers. The families show up. Over in Denmark, we have a close relationship with Lutheran Church in Denmark. And they'll say, like, people will get birthday present types of stuff. Like, they get a bike. They're like, wow, what happened? I don't even know, but I got a bike. This is great. I guess I don't have to go to church anymore. <laughs> the point is not to graduate Christianity. And we've been wrong about it. There's this joke that my dad tells, and I know that he got it from somewhere else, so you're hearing it like third party, so I apologize for that, but I think it's good and I think it's worth saying. So there was a Lutheran pastor and a Catholic priest who got together. They had churches that were right across the street from one another. They got together and they realized that they both had a problem with their bell towers. In both of their bell towers, they had bat issues. And the Catholic priest said, oh, we can't get rid of the bats in the bell tower. It's horrible. We've tried everything. We've called the exterminators. We've sent up gases. We've set up traps. We've asked them nicely. We've prayed. They won't leave. And the Lutheran pastor said, oh, that's so interesting. We used to have a lot of bats, but now we have absolutely none left. It's incredible. And the priest said, Whoa, oh my goodness, you've got to tell me about this. Why? How? How did you do it? And he said, well, I just baptized and confirmed them, and then they never came back. <laughs> So if this is your first time back since you were confirmed, we believe it's no accident you're here. We've been praying for you. It's an honor to worship with you today. There's an old Lutheran theologian, and, and he said this, a church in a bad way, a uh, church is in a bad way when it banishes laughter from the sanctuary and leaves it to the nightclubs. It's, it's good when we laugh with one another. Uh, not specifically just for the sake of humor, but because we're not taking ourselves seriously. Like the truth is, is we have set up things to make people not want to be a part of churches, to, not want them to, to make them not want to be a part of a Christian community. And if that's you, I just want to say I'm sorry. That's not Jesus. That's our fault. I'm sorry about that. And I hope that you still receive and still feel and still experience God's love for you, despite imperfect vessels who are, who are trying to share the message. We don't take ourselves seriously. We can laugh at ourselves because we rely on a God who... <laughs> There's no joke about him. There's no catch line. There's no catch phrase. There's no catch. He's the point. He's the one we're pointing to. The same old theologian, he also said this. He said, there, um, there are some people, and it should be engraved on their tombstones, brilliant performance, but miss the whole point. Anybody in here feel like they're just missing the point of life? Like, they're, they're caught up in all the details. Like, you're absorbing so much. You're involved in so many different things. But, like, you're just missing the point. Jesus wants to offer you more than that. Students, not just today, every single day of your life, Jesus has more for you than that. He said it in a verse that you might be familiar with. This is in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I've come to give them a rich and satisfying life. Paraphrase for rich and satisfying life is a power-filled life. 
which is where we got our name for our confirmation program, Power Life. There's this catchphrase that we've had with Power Life that goes back all the way to when I was in Power Life, um, and I was confirmed, wow, 15 years ago. That's crazy, right? I'm over double your age. Oh, no. How did that happen? And, uh, and we, we say to the students, at least a few times a year, we say, get a life. Have a life. We didn't even practice that. I want to I try it with you all. Get a life. Have a life. What kind of life are you going for? You going for a busy life? You going for a full life? Or are you going for a power-filled life? A rich and satisfying life. Not a life, that has, not a life that has material riches. Not a life that has a lot of great opportunities no matter what, and they're always working out perfectly. But I mean a life where your soul is rich and empowered by the Spirit of God. Is that the life that you're going for? Because i got to be honest with you, there are so many times in my life where I'm looking around, I'm like, is this it? Like, is, this, is this all that I'm living for? Is this it? I was hit directly in the face with this on Thursday night. Some of you will recognize this picture behind me. This is, the, you can go back one slide to the, no, one forward. There it is, woo! Is this it? Some of you recognize that picture. It's from the NFL draft that took place Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, it was in Las Vegas. Uh, and for the most overhyped event of the year, why not put it in Las Vegas, right? I heard that 150,000 people showed up to the NFL draft. 150,000 people. I'm not saying that they're crazy, but there's not even a game taking place. I'm not saying that I'm crazy, but I watched three hours of it with my father-in-law on Thursday, and we couldn't take our eyes off the TV. The Bears didn't even have a first-round pick on Thursday night, and I still watched. I had to know who the Vikings took and those despicable Packers. I needed to know. I don't even know who they're choosing. I'm like, I hate him. <laughs> Like, is this it? Is it just the big crowd? Is it just the big fanfare? Something that you might not have noticed was an interesting situation with the number one pick. Have you heard of this guy? This is Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker was picked number one overall. Uh, some people say he was picked number one overall. Other people say he was sen sentenced to the Jacksonville Jaguars for the next several years. Poor guy. But uh, he wasn't at the draft. Now that's, that's interesting if you're not familiar with the NFL draft. Every single year they invite like the top 20 or so prospects to show up to the draft and they sit in this green room for like three hours and then if they get selected they walk like three miles down this camera and highlighted walkway and then they step in front of the mirror and they put on a hat and they say, I look good. And then they go out and then they hug the commissioner of the NFL. They don't know him but he knows he's going to make money off of them so there's like, oh, I'll hug you back, right? And it's kind of this really sick and disgusting event. But the number one pick wasn't at the draft in Las Vegas. And I find that so interesting. He was invited. It's not like he didn't go because he thought, well, I might be embarrassed. I might not get picked. He's the number one pick. He's the number one pick. Go back a screen. And I thought that this was so interesting. They asked, why weren't you there? And he wasn't making a big protest about it or anything like that. But he said something that I thought was so bold and so incredible. He said, I like being around people who genuinely care about me. And I know that oftentimes we feel so filled up when there are the masses of people that praise us, when we get a lot of likes on social media, or there's a lot of dollars in our bank account, whatever it might be, the lots of it, that's what makes us feel special. But this guy, who could have had 150,000 people singing his praise on Thursday night, said, I like being around people who genuinely care. I'm not down with fake love. 
So I just didn't want to be in Vegas around all those cameras. I just wanted to enjoy the time with my family. Listen, time with family. And I'm not just talking about your biological family. I'm talking about time with your family that's been called your family by God. This time. This is the holy time. I'm just going to say it. He's there in a picture with his mom and his dad. Behind him, you can't see, there's his pastor there too. So if any of you ever get drafted in the NFL, please give me a call. (laughs) I'm just saying. He got introduced in Jacksonville as a Jaguar for the first time, and, and he made sure to say this on the next slide. The number one priority for me is my relationship with God. Without God, I wouldn't be in this position that I am in today. Now, I'm not saying that, okay, if you put God first in your life, you will be six foot six and like 250 pounds of pure muscle and destroy quarterbacks for the next 10 years. I'm not going to do that. I don't have the physical gifts for that, and that's okay. But when God is the number one priority in your life, you will no longer need to live for the, satisfaction, for the false satisfaction that comes with the masses praising you. The masses who praise you don't really know you. Please, hear my heart on this. There's nothing wrong with big celebration. There's nothing wrong with big parties. There's nothing wrong with being recognized for doing something cool. What's wrong is when you start to do it for those things. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you living the life that you're living? What are you confirming? Are you confirming that people like you? Are you confirming the invitation that God has placed into your life and said, I love you. You are my child. I don't care what 150,000 plus people say about you. I say that you are good. I say that you are my child. I say that I love you. And I get the final word. Students, it does not matter what the world says about you. And sometimes that's a good thing because the world will say bad things about us sometimes, right? And to that, God says, you're my child. Now, at the same time, there are some things the world says about us, and they're pretty awesome, and we can start to get pretty full of ourselves, right? I mean, hey, I've done it before. And to that, God says, you're still my child. I can't tell you how many different times my parents have had to remind me, Danny, you're still our kid. I still call my mom and dad three times a day. And I just, (laughs) maybe not quite that often, But I'm thinking, like, okay, at 29, I should start to have some of these things figured out, right? My wife comes to me and asks me, like, hey, do you know how to do this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, hey, mom, (laughs) how do we file taxes again? (sighs) I'm still a child, and that's okay, because I'm God's child. You're in eighth grade, you're getting older. Some of the rest of you, you're, you're also getting older, and we don't need to be reminded of it, right? still God's child. Maybe this actually hit even a little bit closer to home. Uh, There's a Hope member, um, and he was a part of Kairos for several years, uh, and his name is Chase Allen. Uh, And up until the semester, um, he was uh, a part of our Kairos program and a part of Hope, and and, uh, and I thought that this was really cool. Last year, I was having a conversation with him on my dad's podcast, and he invited us. I was really just kind of like the the third wheel, but it was kind of interesting to watch them talk about stuff. And and afterward, Chase and I, we had this follow-up conversation, um, and Chase is a, 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 he's a very accomplished football player, right? If you've been to Iowa State games over the last several years, you've seen number 11. You've seen his crazy, long, red, curly hair, right? You've seen his insane energy and excitement for the game of football. And afterward, he said something that really stood out to me. He said, more people talk to me about my church family than my football career, and that makes me thankful. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Like, that's pretty cool. 
It's also pretty cool that the Chicago Bears just signed him. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to fall into blasphemy. I should just stop. That's what this family's about. I don't, I don't care what the stadiums say about you. I care what God says about you. You're a child of God. You're family. You're family. Now, hear me on this. I'm not here to tell you, okay, well then just show up to church every single week and you'll be perfect, right? Because a lot of times the question is, is, is this it, right? Next slide. Is, is this it? Now, I, I apologize for the blurry photo there, but uh, do those students look happy to you? <laughs> Anybody, like, have a similar experience with that in Lutheran confirmation? I mean, it's tough, right? You know? I'm so happy to confirm my faith in Jesus. <laughs> they read their faith statements. I'm so joyful to explain to you that I feel welcome in this family. <laughs> like, is, is, is this it? Like, just showing up? Is this it? Just reading our Bibles? Is this it? Just memorizing verses? Is this it? Just eating bread? Just eating wine? Is this it? Just receiving the waters of baptism? Is this it? Just looking at a cross? Is this it? Just singing songs? Is this it? Just listening to a sermon? Is this it? Just doing projects? Is this it? Or is there something deeper? There is something deeper. Listen, I want to quote Trayvon on this one. I'm not down with fake love, are you? If we're going to be a church that just does stuff for the sake of doing stuff, then, then that's fake love. But if we are a church that outpours, there's an outpouring of God's love for us, well, well that's real love. And real love, this is it. This is real love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This, this is real love. This is real love. Take a look at what it says this on the next slide. Jesus has chosen us. God has chosen us. And, and let me be very, very careful when I say that. Sometimes we hear the word chosen. We're like, oh, am I chosen? And some people aren't. Well, keep in mind what the Bible also says about being chosen says that being chosen comes by having faith, and faith comes by hearing. And so what is the requirement for being chosen by God? Anybody who hears, anybody who hears that God loves them is chosen. Anybody with ears to hear, the Bible says. Anybody who has interacted with this, anybody who comes face to face with the Spirit, you, do you realize how contagious this is? And I'm going to get to that in just a little, bit, a little bit more in just a moment. But do you realize how contagious this is? Your words matter so much. The intentionality of telling people about your relationship with Jesus, not just so that they can look at you and think that, they're, that you're better than them. Because that's not the truth. Christianity is not about becoming better than you ever were before. Christianity is about becoming aware of how great and amazing and how perfect and how, how beautiful and how majestic your loving God is. It's not about you. It's about the God who loves you. It's about the God who's chosen you. It makes it so available that anybody with ears to hear or eyes to see or a simple existence to perceive the presence of God, if you've heard it, you are chosen. If you have seen it, you are chosen. It is all inclusive. I cannot say that loudly enough. I cannot say that clearly enough. The family of God is an open door to all people. At the very announcement of Jesus' birth, it says that the angel said to the shepherds, I bring great news of great joy for all people. It is for all people. 
Jesus says, I have chosen you. And it says that we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. Baptism is this incredible gift that God gives us. It's at the waters of baptism where we receive God's love. These students, they've been baptized. Some of them baptized before they could remember. Some of them baptized at an age where they could remember. The point is not the age. The point is God giving it to us. So we, we, we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also have new lives too. See, confirmation doesn't just stop and say, okay, well, I received the good news about being a part of God's family. That's what happens at baptism. At baptism, we hear God say, this is my child. Whether you remember it, whether you were conscious or not, God has said to you, over you, over your life, over the people who can hear about you, over the people who can pray over you, this is my child. I'm pleased in this person. They're mine. I've chosen them. And when we confirm that invitation, we don't stop there, but instead we take this journey of steps with Jesus to the cross. And we remember that in baptism, there are some difficult things to swallow. In baptism, we joined Christ in the death. But because we're joined with Christ, there is life forever. This is it. This is it. It's not fake love. It is real love. It is real love. I just want to finish today by saying three important things about what is real love. What is God's real love? The first thing that you've got to know about God's real love is that it can't be earned. You simply cannot earn God's love. It says this in 2 Peter. This is in the chapter of the reading that we had today. It says, Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. That one who invited you to God is Jesus. Grace is a free gift. And by definition, a gift cannot be earned. Students, you've got to know that. You live in a world where there are going to be people who will not approve of you until you show them your value. Hear this loud and clear. You are not. You are not lovable based off of your value. You are infinitely valuable because you are eternally loved by the Almighty God. The same is true for every single person here. You are not loved because you're valuable. You're infinitely valuable because you're forever loved since the day that you were thought into existence. You're eternally loved. It's a free gift. You cannot earn it. It says this later on in the passage. It says we, are also, we, were, we, were, given the terrific, we were also given terrific promises to pass on to you. It's your ticket to participation in the life of God. It's a ticket. It's been printed off to you. It's been given to you. You ever been given a ticket? You want to know what confirmation is like? Confirmation is Jesus hands you a ticket and you say, do I want to take this or not? Do you take the ticket? Do you receive it or not? Do you receive the entrance key or not? It's not about what you've done to earn it. It's about Jesus' work for you to give it to you. Have you ever been given a ticket? One that you didn't earn, but one that you couldn't resist but say yes to? I think about a time in my life where it would have been just crazy for me to deny a ticket. When I was, in, when I was 14 years old, when, when I was some of your guys' age, uh, the Chicago Bears were good at football back then. And they went to the Super Bowl. They actually went to the Super Bowl. And I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe it. This is fantastic. I felt like I was going to the Super Bowl. I didn't do anything to go there, right? It was uh, a cold January morning. My dad called my brother and me into, his, uh, into my parents' room before school one day. And I'm like, oh, great. This never goes well. So, you know, 
We walk in and he asks us, he goes, hey, do you guys know anybody going to the Super Bowl? We're like, no. He throws a few tickets on the bed and he goes, you are. We were there! <laughs> it was crazy! We bought tickets for $3,000 a piece. I'm kidding. We, they were given to us. That's the point. They were given to us because there are some people who really love my dad and know how unhealthy our obsession is with the Chicago Bears. And they fed into that. Um, and, uh, and together, they, they got tickets for him and, and my brother and I. Now, I had the confirmation, right? I had the confirmation that the ticket was mine. I had the confirmation that I had a seat. But wouldn't it have been such a waste? Wouldn't it have been so sad if I just stopped at the confirmation? Oh, I got the ticket. OK. And no move next? No. I would have missed out if I didn't actually receive the invitation, if I didn't take the ticket. I think that there are so many of us who are living our Christian lives like this. Jesus has printed off the ticket. He's confirmed our place in the family of God. And we say, that's awesome, cool. And we do nothing with it. Take your seat. Claim your place in the, in, in the family of God that has been won and given to you by the Savior of this world. It's a free gift that's given to you. Number two, God's love is contagious. I said this earlier, but I want to dive into it a little bit deeper now. God's love is contagious. It demands response. We can't help it, right? It says this in 2 Peter as well. It says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, affection. And you might start to think, oh, well, there's a list of all these different things that I have to do to earn my place in God's family. Well, no, because it always comes back to love. God's not trying to get things from you. God's trying to give a life for you. There are so many different things, systems, people in this world who try to get things from our lives. And God says, I want to give you life for you. So many people are trying to get stuff from us and God gives for us. God gives for you. When God gives for you and we see that, there's a response that comes out of us. And that response, that response of love, it's unstoppable. And this is the third thing that I want to talk about, and this is where I'm going to close today. The love of God is unstoppable. The growth that's going to happen in your life, it's unstoppable. You receive that ticket. You take that seat. You walk with Jesus. The growth will be unstoppable. That's hard for us to hear in this, in, this, in this day and especially in this culture. In the United States, we live in a world where it is instantaneous satisfaction, it is instantaneous growth, or we quit. I read a statistic this week that said over 80% of people quit something every single week. 80% of us. Now, some of those things I think are conscious and some of those things are maybe unconscious, but among the reasons why people gave for why they quit things, it's because it took too long. Especially in the United States, we have this issue. There was a study that was done on marketing uh, between Europe and the United States. And in European countries, the marketing emphasizes the quality of a product. In the United States, the marketing emphasizes the speed of a product. Now, I'm not saying that they have everything better across the pond, but maybe we're a little bit caught up in the wrong thing there, right? We're so focused on the speed instead of the power. We're so focused on the instantaneous gratification rather than the quality. God's love is unstoppable, but that does not mean that everything in your life is going to change in an instant. 
It doesn't mean that it's going to change in an instant, but it does mean that it's going to grow. It says this in 2 Peter as well. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience. In the Bible, there are these countless, ex- there are these countless explanations about growth, and it's always organic. And the thing about organic growth is it is not fast, is it? It is painfully slow sometimes. You can feed a baby as much milk as you want, but to the naked eye, you cannot see that baby growing. You could pour grass on your water over and over and over again for hours and hours and days and days, and to the naked eye, you will not see it turning green in front of you. It's a slower process than that. But organic growth, it's unstoppable growth. I think that one of the things that we run into in this world, and the reason why we quit things, is because we entirely overestimate what we could do in an hour, but we entirely underestimate what could be done through us in five years, ten years, a lifetime. Think about it like this. You've got a little acorn, right? This is a fake acorn. It has fuzz on it. It was a Christmas decoration or a fall decoration or something. You try to find acorns in April. It's not easy. (laughs) But if I take this acorn... And I go up next to our house, and I just start smashing the side of our house with this acorn. Like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, I'm trying to shake up the foundations. One, you'd think I'm crazy. Two, you'd say that's pointless. You, you can't. I'm like, come on, come on. Break up the foundations of the house. And, and I couldn't do it if I tried to do it fast like that. But it could do it, couldn't it? Abby and I, when we moved into our house, there's a tree in front of our house, and our neighbors are telling us all the time, you got to be careful with that tree because it's going to grow, and it's going to go into the foundations of your house, and it's going to mess up the house. Just because it's growing slow doesn't mean that it's growing without power. You take this acorn, you try to smash the sidewalk, you won't make any progress. But if you plant it, I mean, you see what, you see what a tree will do to concrete. It entirely overwhelms the slab of concrete. You just got to plant it. How many of us are smashing our acorns against concrete these days, wondering, why am I not growing? Why are things not changing? Why don't I have more peace? Well, growth with God is slower than that. Sometimes we just got to plant it. We've got to plant it. We've got to be patient got to be patient with the people around us. I mean, my goodness, are you getting frustrated with other people because their acorn isn't growing fast enough? Romans chapter 14 says this. This was brought up by one of our students in her faith statement. She said, you know, for me, this faith thing didn't come so easily. Then she said she turned to Romans chapter 14. It says, accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Be patient with them. She said, I can relate to that. Because I know what it's like to be weak in faith. But I also know what it's like to have the patience of a God who lets me grow organically. That moved me. Confirmands, the growth won't always be fast. You're growing up faster probably than what your parents want you to. But there are some things in our life that feel like they're stalling. Do not doubt what God can do with an acorn planted in the ground. If he can grow trees through concrete... What do you think he could do with your life? Again, I put this verse in front of you today. Confirm God's invitation to you. His choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. The point is not just to do more stuff. The point is not just to get busier. 
the point, the point is real love. It's the real love that only God can give us. One of our other confirmands, she quoted John 3.16. And this is a verse that you've probably heard over and over again throughout your life if you grew up in church. And even if you didn't grow up in church, there's a really strong chance that you heard this verse. Would you read this with me? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, did those words just fly over you or did it actually sink in? Our confirmand who read that verse in front of her peers, in front of her parents and family, she said, I know that that's one of the most popular verses in the Bible, but it's personal to me. Is that verse personal to you? When you hear the world, do you hear yourself? When you hear the world, do you know that it's a world full of seats that God is preparing and God is calling people to sit in? And it is an innumerable amount of seats. It is not, you couldn't count it. He's making space for everybody. He's calling all people to receive the invitation. Has that invitation reached your heart? Have you welcomed it? Have you seen that your name is written on the envelope? I want you to read this again, and this time, read it with your heart on God's mind. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you. God loves you. God's real love is for you. You cannot earn it. It is absolutely contagious. When it touches you, it will pour out of you. And it's unstoppable. Things might feel like they're at a stall. Don't be afraid to confirm your faith. Don't be afraid to affirm the grace that God has put in your life to say, I am still growing you. Students, there could be a day in your life when you don't feel like God's growing you. I want you to know this. God takes special care of acorns, right? The Bible says God takes special care of birds, but his absolute favorite creation is you. And if God cares about the flowers, if God cares about the birds, don't you think he cares about you? There might be a day when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. Maybe it's physically, sure, but other times, a lot of times, it's just metaphorically. I don't like everything that makes me, me. God says, I'm growing you. I still call you my child. I still welcome you. I still have real love for you. And it will never run out. Second Peter tells us that you have everything you need to live this life with God. Everything you need to live that life with God. Do you know what that means? That means that everything comes your way. It could not stand in the way of you and God's love. You have everything you need. It means that there's no wound that God cannot heal. It means that there's no brokenness that God can't restore. It means that there's no habit or hang up that God can't bring freedom to. Confirm your faith today. But confirm your faith every day. And that's for these students, and that's for all of you too. Together we confirm our faith as we celebrate the confirmation of these students. This time I'm going to invite Carrie and the students and Pete as well up front. And this is a really special moment. Um, and I just invite you to soak it in. You're seeing God's love pour out through these students today.
And there is nothing more important that they could ever receive in their life. There is no medal. There's no trophy. There's no recognition. There's no grade. There's no internship. There's no eventual job that they could receive that would be more powerful than the grace that God has given them. What's the point of it all? The point is love. Love is real. And love is from your God who never runs out of it for you. Amen.